14th chapter, Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning is from St. John. It is John 14, verses 23 through 31, and can be found on page 1672 in your pew Bible. John records, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. And anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, and I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that my so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So today we celebrate a major feast in the church year. It's called Pentecost. And we heard an account of a very special Pentecost in today's epistle that Ed read. It is the Pentecost after Jesus died on the cross, after he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And the events are, um, well, they're spectacular. We heard or we read that tongues as of flame appeared, and the sound of a mighty wind could be heard, and people spoke in tongues. It is easy, very easy, understandable, to let the whoa factor of the spectacle lead us away from the facts of the event. I mean, this is shocking stuff. There is much confusion, though, concerning Pentecost. 
because of the signs that accompany this event. Let me explain. I have heard, maybe you have too, many people refer to the events in today's epistle as the first Pentecost. Have you ever heard that? Well, there are many firsts in today's epistle, but this Pentecost is not the first Pentecost. You see, the Feast of Pentecost was already, it was already an ancient festival that God actually established Pentecost about 1,500 years before Christ was born. The Lord spoke through his servant Moses, and he established Pentecost as an annual festival. And soon after, he established Passover as an annual festival. We find this in Leviticus 23, verses 15 through 21. I I, uh, encourage you to look that up. It was originally known as the Feast of Weeks. W-E-A-K-S, weeks. That is that it happened a week of weeks, seven weeks after the Feast of First Fruits. Now for us, that means that seven weeks, it's seven weeks after Easter. Now, when the ancient Hebrews translated the Old Testament into Greek, they came up with the name Pentecost, since the festival occurred 50 days, 50 days after the Feast of Fruits. So Pentecost is one of the three major feasts that required all male Israelites to appear before the Lord. Those three feasts are the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, and the Feast of Booths. Booths, B-O-O-T-H-S. And those are all listed in Deuteronomy 16, verses 16 through 17. A lot of feasts. Maybe that's why we as Lutherans uh, get together and eat a lot. But uh, we're, we're, we're celebrating here. So what this shows, this shows us that the Lord already had plans. 1,500 years before Jesus was born. You see, everything was set up so that devout pilgrims from throughout the world would be in Jerusalem to witness the crucifixion of Jesus on Passover and the special coming of the Holy Spirit on the following Pentecost. I remember the Old Testament reading that Ed read regarding Babel from all over the world, scattered Different languages. Hold on to that. So when today's epistle states that, they, that there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, it is saying that there were Pentecost pilgrims in Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks or for the Pentecost. We call these people... Old Testament Christians. Old Testament Christians. That is, that these are men who eagerly looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. They were 
They were there because they believed the Messiah was coming. They were devout because the Holy Spirit had already given them faith in God's promise to send a Savior who would redeem God's creation from sin. So, it is the Old Testament church that gathered at the sound of the wind and in front of the tongues of fire. They were in Jerusalem in obedience to the instruction to gather before the Lord on Pentecost. Now, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. The Holy Spirit spoke to these pilgrims through the mouths of the apostles, and he told them that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah that these men were waiting for. With this proclamation, the Holy Spirit transformed these devout men and joined them to the New Testament church. That is what is particular, this particular Pentecost is about. Stay with me. The church transformed from looking forward with expectancy to a Messiah, a Christ to come. And on this Pentecost, it became the church who believed in the Christ who came. That is, Jesus of Nazareth, the one that Peter said, you crucified. Now, the truth is, God created the church when he created Adam and Eve. And then when Adam and Eve sinned, God promised a seed that would crush the serpent's head. And from that time forward, devout people eagerly awaited the coming of the Savior. And now both the Old Testament church and the New Testament church believed in the same exact Savior. They both look for the exact same forgiveness of sins. And the only difference is, is that the Savior was in the future for the Old Testament church and in the past for the New Testament church. Thus, Pentecost is not so much the birthday of the church as it is the transformation from Old Testament church to New Testament church. Okay, so how does this transformation come about? How did it happen? Well, the transformation happens by the proclamation of the Word. And in this case, it happens by the proclamation of the Word in many different languages. And here, here is another point of confusion about this particular Pentecost. The sign of speaking in tongues is so spectacular that we often forget the reason that the apostles spoke in tongues. As today's epistle states, the gift of tongues was given so that every devout Pentecost pilgrim could hear the mighty works of God in his own native language. Acts 2, verse 11. 
And right here in this, in Acts 2, verse 11, we see the Holy Spirit performing His basic task. The gift of tongues was given. Hear me now. The gift of tongues was given in order to proclaim the mighty works of God. No other reason. The mighty works of God are the works of salvation. The Son of God putting on our human flesh at Christmas. The mighty works of God, it is about the perfect life that He lived in our place. It's the sacrifice that He made as He endured the holy wrath of God on the cross. It's about how that sacrifice earned the forgiveness of sins for all people in all places and in all times. It is how He rose from the dead and He verified that His work was enough to save us all. It's, it's about how He is always with us in His ascension. His mighty work is about how He will come again to raise all the dead and dwell with His believers forever. All of these things are the mighty work of God. And all these things are the proclamation that each pilgrim heard in his own native language. This proclamation is the work of the Holy Spirit's gift of tongues that day. That's the gift of tongues. And the proclamation of salvation through Jesus Christ did not stop on that day. The news that Jesus of Nazareth is the promised Messiah is just too good to keep to yourself. And when the Feast of Pentecost was over, all of those devout Pentecost pilgrims went home and they took the good news with them. And when they came home, they proclaimed Christ crucified and risen from the dead to their hometowns. They proclaimed repentance and the forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit used this proclamation to spread the Word of God throughout the world, throughout many languages. And the Holy Spirit still works through the gift of tongues to this very day. Let's think about it. What language am I speaking right now? English. English as we know it did not exist in the days of the apostles. And even so, I read the Word of God in English, and now I'm preaching to you in English. And somewhere, someone had to have the gift of tongues in order to translate the original language of the Bible into the English that you and I can understand. And they did this so that you, too, could hear the mighty works of God 
in your own native language. The Holy Spirit provides this gift so that the message of salvation is proclaimed in all lands to all people. That's the gift of tongues. Today's epistle gives us the historical facts concerning the first Pentecost after Jesus ascended into heaven. There were the tongues as of flame, there was the sound of a mighty wind, and there was the speaking in tongues. And all of these signs were means to one important end, the proclamation of the salvation of God worked out through Jesus offering himself up on the cross. Or as you hear me say, Sunday after Sunday we preach Christ and him, Christ and him crucified. Now, sadly, there are many people who get the means and the ends confused. They read of the sights and the sounds, the wow factor of this particular Pentecost, and believe that these signs are the main point of the narrative. They forget that the purpose of all these signs was the proclamation of the mighty works of God. And people forget that the Holy Spirit has promised to be present wherever the Word of God is proclaimed and the truth and in truth and purity. And wherever the sacraments are administered according to Christ's command, He is there. But instead, some look for some sort of spectacular sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit. You may have met them, you may have heard of them, read of them, but these are people who claim that the glory of God has covered them in gold dust or feathers. Others claim that anointing oil began to flow from their hands and their feet. Others exhibit uncontrollable laughter, and they call it holy laughter. And others appear, they appear intoxicated, and they claim that a Holy Spirit high is stronger than any other. And still others, they babble away in nonsense, and they call it speaking in tongues. The creativity of false teaching knows no bounds. It is all about making things up instead of relying on the Word of God. It's, it all comes. All of this wow that is man-made comes at the expense of the proclamation of the mighty works of God. And the saddest thing about all of this is the competition the competition to prove who is the most filled with the Holy Spirit. Who has the greatest anointing? Who has the greatest gift? Who is the greatest of the super saints? This competition diverts attention away from the Savior 
and it puts the attention onto the performer. Soon the gospel gets lost, and people don't hear about their sin. They don't hear about their Savior. They don't receive the comfort of the salvation that Jesus earned for them on the cross. They don't hear the proclamation of the mighty works of God, and in an attempt to be filled with the Holy Spirit, they end up blocking the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this, and you don't have to answer out loud, please don't. But what gets between you and the proclamation of the mighty works of God? What causes you to focus on something other than Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins? What draws your attention away from Christ hanging on the cross, enduring God's wrath for your sin? Where do you look for comfort outside of God's word? In the end, the Holy Spirit has but one message. That is that Christ died to save sinners. And since you are a sinner, you qualify for that salvation. And this is the mighty work of God that the Holy Spirit proclaims on Pentecost and on every other day of the year. Christ and him crucified for the forgiveness of sins. In the name of Jesus, amen.